We're going to look into God's Word right now, and we have Bibles on the tables. Hay Biblias detrás en las mesas que pueden usar, and I want to highlight the text that we're going to be looking at. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, Segunda de Timoteo 3, del 10 al 17, and those page numbers up there are from the Bibles in the back. They'll help you to find it. La página indica donde está en la Biblia de atrás que pueden usar. As you're getting uh, ready to look at that, I again want to explain, typically I like to read the whole text at once in a block. And again this week, I'm going to make a decision to do it differently. No vamos a leer el texto todo de una vez. I want to take us through piece by piece and uh, help us to really understand what's going on here in these few short verses. Voy a estar mirando esto versículo por versículo. So you may want to have your Bibles open, your phones open, at the ready as I'll be referring to these verses along the way. Uh, as I understand it, uh, there is a place in Africa called the Enedi Plateau. It's in the Sahara Desert. Hay una meseta, la meseta Enedi. And in the Enedi Plateau, there is this incredible formation of impressive, towering rocks. Hay esa formación de piedras en forma de torres. And scientists tell us that over a long, long period of time, receding water and wind and blowing debris have shaped these different rocks, this sandstone, into all kinds of shapes, into arches and pillars, and even there's some incredible formations where they've got like huge rocks balanced on what look like pedestals. Hay arcos y columnas y hasta piedras como en pedestales en esta área, en la piedra anerisca, ha sido formada por el viento y, y, y el agua. It's very amazing to see what can happen over time. It also reminds me of another formation in a wetter place. It's off the coast of Australia, en la costa de Australia, otra formación, it's one that maybe you've heard about. It's called the Twelve Apostles. Los Doce Apostoles se llama. And these are huge columns that have become separated from the cliffs nearby. Se han separado las columnas de los precipicios. And what's happened is that the incoming waves and the winds and storms and everything have beat upon those rocks over time. And again, they've shaped them in, in the way that they are. Las olas y el viento han formado estas piedras. In fact, they are still shaping these rocks because, as I understand it, uh, four of them have crumbled already. Over time, they've, they've come to the point where they've just crumbled. Uh, cuatro de las columnas se han derrumbado. And so there's really only eight apostles now instead of 12, something like that. But it's, it's amazing when you think about it how something as hard as rock could actually be changed in that way by the elements. And muy maravilloso que una piedra dura puede ser cambiada así. It's a little bit like you and me, because sometimes we can be very hard like rocks. Somos nosotros como piedras también. And that's why last week we began a new series of messages that were simply called uh, Learning to be Different. Comenzamos una nueva serie, Aprender a ser diferente. And we began that series last week by talking about a pillar. Not a pillar of rock, but a pillar of the church whose name means rock. Uh, his name is Peter. We talked about Peter and his life. Hablamos de la columna de la iglesia que es Pedro. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, 
we find Peter near the end of his life, and he is aware of the fact that soon he is going to die. Pedro está consciente que va a morir. He knows that soon his, this pillar is going to crumble, and he's going to be swept out to, to the sea of history by death. Él sabe que se va a la muerte, va a ser llevado por el mar de la historia. And so Peter's writing in that book what really is his last will and testament. Él escribe su última voluntad y testamento. And the kind of the climax of what we talked about last week was summarized in 2 Peter 1.19. Segunda Pedro 1.19. Peter says, we have the word of the prophets made more certain or completely reliable. Eso ha venido a confirmarnos la palabra de los profetas. In other words, we have the word of the Old Testament that's been made sure by the testimony of Jesus written down in the New Testament. Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament. Tenemos la palabra del Antiguo Testamento cumplido en el Nuevo Testamento y Jesús. So we have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament scriptures, and he says you will do well to pay attention to it. Hacen bien en prestar atención a ella. It's a light in a dark place. Pay attention to this word until the morning star rises in your hearts. Presten atención hasta que salga el lucero de la mañana. The morning star is Jesus. Pay attention to God's word until faith in Christ would rise up within you. Presten atención a la palabra de Dios. That's a powerful word. And we talked last week about how we are to shift our gaze. We're to shift our focus from looking down, looking down into our devices and looking down into ourselves. Debemos cambiar de nuestro enfoque, de no mirar abajo a nuestros aparatos. But we're to look up. We're to look up and we're to look at Jesus through the scriptures. Miramos a Jesús a través de las escrituras. Well, today now we come to a, a, a different book, 2 Timothy, but here we have something very similar going on. Hay algo parecido que ocurre, que ocurre en 2 Timoteo 3. We have another pillar of the church here that's writing, otra columna de la iglesia. It's not Peter, it's Paul. Se trata de Pablo. And again, Paul knows that his time is short. He's about to die. Pablo sabe que va a morir también. And so he's writing to his young apprentice, Timothy. He's leaving, like Peter, his last will and testament. Es la última voluntad y testamento de, de Pablo. And as he writes to Timothy, here in verses 10 and verses 11, he's describing for Timothy some of the experiences that have shaped him into being a pillar of the church. Habla de sus experiencias que han conformado. They're positive experiences, but there are also negative experiences that have impacted his life. These things have shaped him. Uh, these are forces that have been at work in his life. Son fuerzas y experiencias positivas y negativas. Verse 10, he says to Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, en cambio seguido paso a paso mis enseñanzas, mi manera de vivir, mi propósito, mi fe, mi paciencia, mi amor, mi constancia. These are the positive things. These are the positive forces that have impacted my life, that have shaped my life. Esas cosas me han conformado. But then there's also the negative. Verse 11, versículo 11. You know about my persecutions. 
sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Conoces también mis persecuciones y mis sufrimientos. Estás enterado de lo que sufrí en Antioquía, Iconio y Lystra, y de las persecuciones que soporté, y de todas ellas me libró el Señor. And so Paul's saying here, you know, I've, I've seen it all. I've seen the good. I've seen the bad. I've, I've, I've gotten God's uh, shaping in my life in many, many ways. And his point is that this is what happens when you're following Jesus. Eso lo que pasa cuando sigues a Jesús. You got to take the negative with the positive. In fact, he says in verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Asimismo serán perseguidos todos los que quieren llevar una vida piadosa en Cristo Jesús. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not always going to be easy to live for him. No va a ser nada fácil. It's not because Jesus brings you down. It's not because Jesus wears on you. But the world does. El mundo te abate. El mundo te, te quiere venir para abajo. And then he goes on in 13, he says, here's the deal. Evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Esos malvados embaucadores irán de mal en peor, engañando y siendo engañados. The world is not going to get any better around you. Don't expect that. El mundo no va a cambiar para lo, lo, lo mejor a tu alrededor Those forces that are coming against you will continue to beat on you. The forces of sin, evil, negativity will continue to try to pull you down. Las fuerzas del mal y del pecado te van a jalar para abajo. But, and then in verse 14, Paul offers Timothy and you and me another alternative. Nos da otra alternativa. Verse 14, but as for you, Timothy, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Pero tú permaneces firme en lo que has aprendido, de lo cual estás convencido, pues sabes de quienes lo aprendiste. He's saying in effect here, you can be shaped by the world into someone who's going down the tubes or you can stand. In what you've learned, in what you've received, you can stand in the convictions of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Puede ser conformado según el mundo o eh, puedes estar firme en el evangelio que has recibido. And then in verse 15, Paul points to the one shaping force that is above them all. Versículo 15, from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Desde tu niñez conoces las sagradas escrituras que pueden darte la sabiduría necesaria para la salvación mediante la fe en Cristo Jesús. In effect, Paul's saying here, the, the long-term result of exposure to the scriptures, to the word of God, is that the scriptures will get you into the spiritual shape you need to be in to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Estar expuestos a las escrituras te van a confirmar a la figura que necesitas para ser salvo mediante el Señor. Just as over time, 
blowing wind and flowing water can shape rock, even make a rock into a perfectly balanced thing on a pedestal, como el viento y el agua pueden conformar una roca sobre una, un pedestal. So it is. The long-term effect of the Holy Spirit blowing over your life through wave upon wave upon wave of Scripture is that over time you can become a well-balanced, wise follower of Jesus Christ. Te puedes convertir con las olas de las Escrituras y el viento del Espíritu Santo en una columna equilibrada de fe en Jesús. And then, to drive the point home, verse 16 and 17, Paul says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Toda la Escritura es inspirada por Dios y útil para enseñar, para reprender, para corregir y para instruir en la justicia a fin de que el siervo de Dios esté enteramente capacitado para toda buena obra. Scripture has the power to shape our lives. Las Escrituras nos pueden conformar. Now, over the years, Bible scholars have talked about four foundational truths that help us to understand the power of God's Word. Hay cuatro verdades fundamentales que nos ayudan a comprender la Palabra de Dios. And those four foundational truths can be summarized in a very simple acronym or an abbreviation, SCAN. Se usa la abreviatura SCAN. And I want to take you through this abbreviation and then point to what 2 Timothy is saying because I believe within this very text we find those four foundational truths communicated to us. Esas verdades están en segunda de Timoteo. So here we go. The letter S stands for sufficient. Ese suficiente. The word of God is sufficient to give us the message of God. Las escrituras son suficientes para darnos las buenas noticias. Verse 15 says, the holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Las escrituras pueden darte la sabiduría necesaria para la salvación mediante la fe en Cristo Jesús. Scripture lights us lights our way, it shows us, it reveals to us who God is and how we can come to know Him and His plan for our lives. Las Escrituras revelan a Dios y su plan para nuestra vida. There is no other book which can sufficiently do that. Ningún otro libro lo hace. In fact, centuries ago, there was a Christian confession or a declaration of faith known as the Belgic Confession. And in the Belgic Confession, uh, it, it says that basically when you boil it all down, there are only two books in the entire world that can tell you something about God. Dice la Confesión Belga, hay dos libros que nos revelan a Dios. The first book, it says, is the book of nature. It's not a book written with pages, but if you look at the creation... The creation can reveal something of God to you. La creación te puede decir que hay un Dios. If you look at the universe, if you take the time to read its signals and to interpret them co correctly, you can understand that there is a God. There has to be a God behind all of this. 
Tiene que haber un Dios. There has to be some divine impulse that brought our world into being. But the book of nature, the book of our universe, even the books written by all the people in the universe, can't tell us very much about God. The only thing you can know about God from looking at the creation is that there has to be a God. But it, the, the universe won't tell you what kind of God that is, whether that's a good God or a bad God. It won't even tell you if it's a personal God or just an impersonal force. And it can't tell you whether that God even wants to know you or care about you. La naturaleza te dice que hay un Dios, pero ni, ni nos dice si es bueno o malo, o si es personal o no, o si te quiere conocer o no. That's why we need another book. And the other book that reveals God to us is the Bible, the Scriptures. And the Scriptures reveal God sufficiently. The Scriptures reveal God wholly. And we understand that God is good. He's almighty. He is merciful. He is, he is loving. He is wise. And he has shown up in his own creation, in the own book, his own book of creation that he's written. He's come in as the living word in the face and in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that. La Biblia nos dice que Dios ha comparecido su propia creación en la persona del Señor Jesucristo. Listen to what the Belgic Confession says. Here's another quote from it. It says, We believe that this Holy Scripture contains the will of God completely and that everything one must believe to be saved is sufficiently taught in it. Creemos que esta santa escritura contiene de modo completo la voluntad de Dios y todo lo que el hombre está obligado a creer para ser salvo se enseña suficientemente en ella. So the scriptures are sufficient where nothing else is. C stands for clear. The Bible is clear. La Biblia también es clara. Verse 16 says that it is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness as útil para uh, enseñar, reprender, corregir, y para instruir en la justicia. The Bible communicates clearly the message we need to know, sufficiently and clearly. There is clear teaching in Scripture. There is clear correction and clear instruction. Hay instrucción y enseñanza clara, eh, claras en las Escrituras. Now, a lot of people, you probably heard people say, oh, the Bible's so hard to understand. It's so confusing. There's so many interpretations of the Bible and so many translations and so many versions. Why even bother with it? It's such a confusing book. Hay los que dicen que la Biblia es confusa. Hay tantas interpretaciones, tantas versiones. Here's the thing. Those who say that often haven't taken the trouble to actually read it to step back and look at it. Because if you look and see that the Bible is a unit, it's one story, it's not a bunch of little verses, it's not a bunch of little books, it's one whole story. And you step back and see that story, it's very clear what the Bible is all about. The Bible's all about God's great plan to make everything right and new in the person of Jesus Christ. All of Scripture points to that. Toda la Biblia señala que Dios tiene un plan para poner todo bien en la persona del Señor Jesucristo. Now, it may be that there are points of doctrine that seem less clear in certain areas, or there are debates about verses here or there. Hay debates de doctrinas pequeñas aquí, allá, o versículos but we can take the more clear parts of Scripture and they can help us to understand the less clear parts and 
it doesn't change in the end the message that you get. I love what Psalm 119, verse 130 says. El Salmo 119, 130. It says this. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. La exposición de tus palabras nos da luz y da entendimiento al sencillo. To understand the Bible, we must unfold its message. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar You don't have to be a Bible expert to understand the main point of the Bible. No tienes que ser experto para comprender el punto clave de la Biblia. But together we work on unfolding the Scripture. And it's saying the unfolding or the, the careful examination of the Scripture is going to give you light. That's what we're doing right now. We're unfolding the Scriptures because they are clear. Estamos dando exposición a la Palabra de Dios ahora. So scripture's clear, uh, it's sufficient. A stands for authoritative. A es autoritativa. Scripture is authoritative. It speaks with authority. Verse 16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. Toda la escritura es inspirada por Dios. God is the source God is the one who speaks through Scripture. Es Dios que habla en la Biblia. 2 Peter 1.21, we talked about this last week. It says here that prophecy never had its origin in the will of, of a man, but, but prophets spoke from God. How? As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Dice, según Pedro, los profetas hablaron de parte de Dios impulsados por el Espíritu Santo. The Bible has authority Because God is its author. And when God speaks, he speaks with authority. Dios es el autor de su palabra, por eso tiene autoridad. And if we do a little more study, we can see how God, in his infinite wisdom, has overseen an incredible process of, of compiling the 66 books that we have in the Bible, in what is called the canon, or the authorized list of scriptures. Dios supervisó un proceso de, de poner la lista autorizado, canon, de, 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 las, de las escrituras. These books have come together, and when you look at these books, they are self-authenticating. They authenticate themselves. They speak with a unified voice. Esos libros hablan con una voz unificada. And God's made sure that the books that needed to be there are there. And not only that, he's made sure that the words that needed to be there are there. Aguardado las palabras también, because what we have in the scriptures, what we have are not the original documents. We don't have the original copies of what Moses wrote or what Matthew or Mark wrote. We don't have that. What we have are copies of copies of copies of copies. Tenemos copias de copias de copias de las escrituras. And yet when you look at all of those copies, the words in those copies are 99.9% in agreement. Esas copias están de acuerdo 99.9% and where there are differences, they are minor differences of transmission. Not enough to affect the message. And God's overseen that. Dios ha podido darnos esto. 
The four Gospels we have of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written within 30 to 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Marcos, Juan, uh, Lucas y Mateo fueron escritos 30 a 40 años después de la muerte y resurrección de Jesús. 30 or 40 years. You say, well, that's a long time. Maybe for you and me, but not for a historian. Because the eyewitnesses were still around. Those who saw it and believed and those who didn't believe it. And anybody at that point could have protested. But these have come to us. What about the Gospel of Mary and the Gospel of Thomas? Maybe you've heard Newsweek or Time talk about them. Those were written 100 years later. These are the only four in town, folks. Estos evangelios son los únicos cuatro. Now, historians will tell us that in the year 49 B.C., Roman Emperor Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon River. It was a very important political event. En el año 49 a.C., Julio César cruzó el río Rubicon, algo importante. No one disputes that that happened. No one disputes that Julius Caesar existed and that he crossed the Rubicon River in 49 B.C. Nadie pues debate este tema. And yet, get this, we have one ancient early copy of this event written down. And you know when that event was written down first? The earliest written recorded history of this event happening was 300 years later. El evento fue escrito 300 años después. That's the best copy we have of Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon River. Yet nobody says, oh, I wonder if that really happened. You see, God has overseen a process here. We have more copies of the Bible than any other ancient book. And those copies are clear and authoritative, and they speak clearly of what God has done. Eyewitnesses wrote them down. Tenemos más copias de la Biblia que cualquier documento antiguo. And so when we talk about the authority of the Bible, we must understand that truth is determined by the author of truth. That's God. Dios el autor de la verdad determina la verdad. Again, I love what the Belgic Confession says. It says, this, it says, we must not consider human writings, no matter how holy their authors have been, equal to the divine writings. Tampoco está permitido igualar los escritos de ningún hombre, a pesar de los santos que han sido con las divinas escrituras. And then it says this, when it comes to determining what the truth is, we don't determine the truth by custom. What's the custom? That's not how you determine truth. We don't determine truth by what's the majority. That's the way people want to determine it today. No determinamos la verdad por costumbre o la mayoría. Well, the Supreme Court said it, so it must be true. No, that's not how you determine truth. It's not by decrees. It's not by laws. No son por decretos o leyes. Well, everybody on Facebook says this is so. No, that's not how you determine the truth. Todo el mundo en Facebook dice que es así. No. We determine the truth by the God of truth who has written down his authorized message to us, which is in the Holy Scriptures. God's word's authoritative. La palabra de Dios es autoritativa. Scripture is sufficient, clear, authoritative. Finally, it's necessary. Any significa necesaria. Why is Scripture necessary? ¿Por qué es necesaria la Biblia? Verse 17 2 Timothy 3, it is necessary so that the man 
of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work a fin de que el siervo de Dios esté enteramente capacitado para toda buena obra. We need scripture in order to be thoroughly equipped for God's purposes in the world. To be shaped by it. Tenemos que estar enteramente capacitados por las escrituras. That phrase, thoroughly equipped, uh, can also mean perfectly furnished. Enteramente capacitado es perfectamente amueblado. It's this idea that you are not lacking anything. The picture is of a, of a ship sailing out of harbor. You're going on a trip. You're on your ship, and you've got everything on board you need. You're not missing one thing off of your packing list. Tienes todo a bordo contigo. You guys have been on vacation. How many of you have gone on vacation? You get 100 miles down the road, and you're like, oh, forgot the medicine. Oh, my pillow. Oh, I didn't bring my swimming suit, right? We do that, right? I do that all the time. Vamos de vacaciones y cien días después decimos, oh, se me olvidó la medicina o lo que sea. Not with the Bible. See, it's all here. This isn't just information. No solo la información, though it is the information we need. It's formation. It's the shaping that we need. Es la, la conformación. It, it is what we need to, to be complete for every good work. So with the Bible, you have the Bible, you have what's necessary. You're good to go on the journey of following Jesus. Tienes lo necesario para seguir a Jesús. So Scripture sufficiently, clearly, authoritatively presents to us what we need to be transformed, to be reshaped in our relationship with Jesus Christ. La Biblia de manera suficiente, clara y autoritativa nos da lo necesario para ser como Jesús. And in a world that's trying to constantly hammer us into its own mold, the world's constantly trying to beat us into its shape, we have an opportunity through the Scriptures to be shaped into the image of Jesus Christ, to learn how to be different so that we can make a difference in this world. En un mundo que quiere conformarnos a su imagen, podemos ser conformados a la imagen de Cristo en la palabra de Dios. I love what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. No se amolen al mundo actual but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sean transformados mediante la renovación de su mente. How are we transformed in the renewing of our mind? By Scripture. And by adopting a particular attitude towards Scripture. Se trata de nuestra actitud hacia la palabra de Dios. We are not over this book. We do not stand in judgment of this book. This is not the church's book. Este libro no es de la iglesia. It is God's book for the church. And so our position is not over Scripture. We are under it. We do not shape Scripture to fit our own needs and our own desires. We don't twist it to fit our own preferences. No conformamos la escritura a nuestras preferencias. We Allow the scripture to shape us. We don't interpret this book so much as someone has said, we let this book interpret our lives, how we're to live 
No interpretamos este libro, nos interprete a nosotros. Continual exposure to God's word. That's what Timothy had from his infancy. Así lo tenía Timoteo de su niñez. Expuesto a la palabra de Dios. And that's the opportunity you and I have. Rocks don't become pillars overnight. Las piedras no se conviertan en columnas de un día a otro. And guess what? We don't become pillars of faith overnight. No nos convertimos en columnas de fe de un día a otro. And that's why, as a church here, you've probably gotten sick and tired of me saying it, but I'm going to be like a wave beating on the surf. That's why we're reading the Word of God in two years. That's why I've put out that challenge every day to be immersed in the Scriptures, every day to be exposed to the Bible. Por eso estamos leyendo la Biblia. It takes time. That's why we're listening to the Bible as much as we can. Por eso quiero, uh, queremos escuchar las Escrituras. We need to be, have wave after wave after wave of God's Word wash over us. And that's why also in this series I'm inviting you to go deeper through Bible study. Not just to read it and listen to it, but to study it. Por eso también les invito a estudiar la Biblia. And this week what I'd like to invite you to do inside your worship bulletin There's a sheet, and if you need an extra, let us know. But it's, I would like to invite you into a very simple three-question Bible study with me. Vamos a hacer un estudio bíblico de tres preguntas. Three questions based on Philippians 2, 4, and 5, and the scripture's right there. And I'd like you to answer these questions. What does the text say? ¿Qué dice el texto? What did or does it mean? What did it mean for the people back then? What does it mean now? ¿Qué significaba? ¿Qué significa este texto? And then finally, what does this change for me? What do I need to do to apply this to my life? ¿Y cómo me cambia este texto? I want to invite you, just take 10 or 15 minutes to spend some time working through these three questions, looking at this scripture this week. It's called Bible study, and it is a blessing. So, here it is. Scripture plus the Holy Spirit plus an open heart and mind plus time. Lots and lots of time equals personal life change. Becoming a different person. La palabra de Dios con el Espíritu Santo, un corazón abierto y tiempo traen transformación total. Let's Be shaped by God's word. Estemos conformados a la palabra de Dios. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, it has been good to remember today or to learn today for the first time what a treasure we have in this unique book. This is this infallible book, this book that does not fail, this book that does not stray from the course but hits the target every time, this book that perfectly communicates your message to us. Gracias por este libro infalible que sin error nos comunica tu mensaje. We receive it, and I pray that we can affirm that right now. 
that your word is for us. Que podamos afirmar que tu palabra es para nosotros. I want to invite you as we conclude this prayer to stand, and we're going to affirm the scriptures, again using this document I referred to called the Belgic Confession. And I'm going to read the parts that say leader, and you read the part that says people. I want to invite you to take this in, what this is saying about God's word. So I'll begin. We receive all these books of the Bible as holy and canonical, that is legitimate. Únicamente a estos libros de la Biblia aceptamos por sagrados y canónicos, es decir, legítimos. They are for the regulating, founding, and establishing of our faith. Son para regular nuestra fe, para fundamentarla en ellos y con ellos confirmarla. We believe without a doubt that all things contained in the scriptures are the word of God. Creemos sin duda alguna que todo lo que está comprendido en las escrituras son la palabra de Dios. We believe them not because the church approves, but because the Holy Spirit testifies in our hearts that they are from God and because they prove themselves to be God. Creemos no porque la iglesia las acepta, sino porque el Espíritu Santo nos da testimonio en nuestros corazones que son de Dios y porque también tienen la prueba de ello en sí mismos. We believe because it is clear to see that the things predicted in the scriptures do happen. Creemos porque se puede palpar que las cosas en las escrituras se han predicho acontecen. Let's sing together.